Hey everyone, welcome to My Two Cents with Tawanda Harris. This is a podcast dedicated to educators, for educators, and by educators. Yes, it's all about encouraging, it's all about sharing strategies, it's all about going on an educational journey with each other. You are not alone, and I hope that when you finish listening to this podcast, you feel like you went on a journey with educators around the world. Thank you for tuning in to My Two Cents. As we begin to wind down the school year, there's a lot that we have to think about what things went well, what things didn't go so well, what things will carry over into the upcoming school year. You know, I mean, just thinking about this really just makes my head hurt. But I had the opportunity to sit down with Naval Karuni Cassiano, and she shared some strategies or some things to think about as we close out the school year while still enjoying and relaxing this summer because oh yes we all need a break listen in welcome 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 everyone today i have a wonderful special guest i mean i always have special guests Well, this session is going to be a very special session in which we talk about the end of the year. Yes, we finally ended this school year and I am going to sit down with Naval Karuni Cassiano and we are going to have a conversation on some lessons learned, some end of year reflections um, of this wonderful, untraditional school year. So Naval, can you share your teacher journey with us? First, Tawanda, I just want to say what an ultimate honor it is to be here. I have loved your podcast, and I'm just so thrilled to be in conversation with you. Thank you. Um, so I was a newspaper reporter before I was a teacher. Um, I was a reporter for the Star-Ledger newspaper in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I was a beat reporter and I did a fair amount of reporting out of Iran as well um, for an everyday life series. But then I, I was feeling that I was unable to kind of make change. I felt like I was just reporting what I what I was seeing as a witness and less of a change maker. And so I did New York City Teaching Fellows and I um, moved into teaching that way. I taught at a Brooklyn school in the middle grades. I was at a TC school. So um, I had some great staff development before moving to Chicago, Illinois, uh, where I was also a classroom teacher, a literacy coach, and then I became um, a literacy coach in a lot of different schools. So now I'm all over the city in Catholic schools and in Chicago public schools in the South side and also in the affluent suburbs. So that is kind of an interesting wide variety of uh, student needs. Um, but as you know, all kids need the same thing, which is to be like centered, seen, heard. Definitely. Do you do you um, see any of the skills that you had attained from your former career carry over or help you into the teaching field? Oh my gosh, every day I like thank. I couldn't believe at the time that I was being paid to just tell people stories and to just ask them questions and to just report kind of like their truths. And I feel that 
that is what teaching is. It's like, I, I feel the social, the social emotional piece of it more than I feel the education sometimes because um, I just really firmly believe that the kids are our curriculum. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I think of Sarah Ahmed's um, work around just, well, her, her saying that the world is our curriculum. You know, I mean, yes, yes, yes. every day. And, and I mean, think of the, the pandemic. I mean, we, we pretty much had our lesson plans done. Yes, if, you were, yes. <laughs> if you were not teaching about the, um, the hot news for the day, I really don't know why you were sitting with students. I mean, we talk about the importance of skills and um, strategies, but we don't always have to stick to the text that is in a resource. We can make the teaching very much relevant. So it's so awesome that you were able to tell or get paid for telling others stories. <laughs> how often do our students love for us to hear their stories and that we provide spaces for that to happen? Yeah, exactly. I sometimes say things like uh, taking a break completely from what we're putting in quotes, like teaching and walking around the world and just being yourself will make you a better teacher because you're naturally tabbing the things that you want to bring back to the classroom right? Yeah. yeah, that makes perfect sense. So when you were in the classroom, think about uh, when you did when, when you were working with students or when you work with students now, how yeah. would you say they describe your classroom? Oh, I still work with kids all the time. I have lab sites and I have um, small groups. I try to make sure that I keep that connection so that I could try out all kinds of fun moves. And I think that um, I think that there's a fair degree of autonomy and choice, uh, whether that's in independent reading, whether that's in the writing moves that they want to try or emulate that they've seen in a mentor text that they've chosen, um, whether that's, I, I think that there's just a lot around kind of like movement, like imagine manipulatives and choice and a lot of sound. Um, I think like good talk, you know, constant chatter I, I think in a, in a positive way like building discourse um, not kind of this idea that I am going to share all my knowledge and you all listen please oh gosh I, I always <laughs> like to say the sage on stage that's like, right people students don't like the sage on stage because our teaching becomes one way you know I am literally right. just giving you information and you are to listen because that's what I want you to do well that's not how learning happens that's I right. learn from you, you learn from me. It is a two-way type of inter interaction. Yeah, I think like storytelling is probably the only, I mean, even then it's a story that they are responding to, thinking about, having conversation around, but like storytelling, I think would be central, you know, to all classrooms and especially my, my spaces. I always try to think about how I can incorporate my personal life and types of stories that make me a little bit more vulnerable and real to kids so that they feel more apt to share, you know? Yeah. It's so that you, you, your students know that you are a human being. I remember <laughs> exactly. when I was younger, I, I think it had to be fifth grade. It was so funny. I, 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 I remember being at, it was like Radio Shack. Oh my gosh, I'm dating myself. <laughs> and so I was in Radio Shack and I looked up and I thought I saw my teacher. And I don't know why I was so amazed. I, I was like a stalker going from um, aisle to aisle. 
to say, oh my gosh, that's Mr. Mazarowski. Mr. Mazarowski, if you're listening, hi, I ended up talking But, you know, I'm, I'm going through the, the aisles and I'm like, I think that's my teacher. Right. I don't know why that was so amazing to me that my teacher didn't live in the classroom. He actually had a home. He actually ate right. out to the store and all of that. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Your teacher went to Radio Shack. That's real. <laughs> yes. Yes. I don't even know what he bought. And I don't even remember if I found out. If it wasn't him, he probably thought I was crazy following him around. But, you know, I digress. So when you're, when you, you talked about how your students describe your classroom, do you think there was a difference pre-pandemic and post-pandemic in the ways that they describe your classroom? Uh, I think, I think actually we did a really kind of brilliant, flexible, as all teachers do job of taking what we know to be really important and really true and, and putting that online. So for example, creating spaces for kids to have kind of like light conversation or light connections around jam boards, for example, like what is your favorite food or what is the drink of your choice or, you know, something simple like these types of soft start type ideas, which I think is another Sarah Ahmed um, move. But, you know, I think we did those types of things. I think we offered a, a really big variety of choice for like artifact of learning. So what do you want to share? Like, what does this compel you to create after reading something? Well, like, how do you want to share your information? What writing form do you want it to take? I think like almost we were more thoughtful and innovative because it had to be honed down to the bare minimum mm-hmm. of, right? Like we were so crunched for time. Um, and so I think as a result, almost the online classroom felt warm in some ways. I, I hesitate to put technology and warm together, those two words, <laughs> but <laughs> well, because it was like, you know, we, yeah, yeah. Or we had like a, you know, uh, what I miss is what I miss is side to side conferring. That's yeah. what I really miss. You know, I miss like the proximity of kids and I miss, um, but at least we can see their smiles because yeah. I'm in suburban districts, who, you know, with masks and I can't see their smiles and that breaks yeah. my heart too. So, and I, you know, one of the things that I really um, enjoyed is just having that invitation into students' homes. I won't get on my soapbox on how I feel about, I should, I should just get on my soapbox really Get on it. Please, please do. About mandating cameras to be on. Oh my goodness. We are invited into your home. I can't mandate that I'm able to walk into your home. So how in the world am I mandating that your uh, camera be turned on? But for those that would um, allow students when they felt comfortable to turn their camera on, um, it, it was such a joy. You know, I remember my face lighting up like, oh, I see your smile. I see your face. I see your sister behind you. I see yeah. your pet. And it was just like this connection of the mm-hmm. teacher, the learning to the student in their home. And it, it was kind of like um, synchronized together so that we got to just experience things together at one point. And I thought that was really, really special for our students to see and feel and for teachers to do that during that time as well. 
Oh, I could not agree more. I think it was, you know, that comes back to what we were saying at the beginning, that the humanity of it, it reminds us like they have a home, they have an aunt, they have a cousin, they have a mother, they have a all with like, and I think it really allowed for us to see the special kind of like the funds of knowledge that all of our children have and are dealing with and are, are digesting and are bringing back to the learning space. Yeah. Like you see that you, there are children navigating, uh, taking care of a baby sister, right? Which my kids had to do when they were remote learning for, they were remote learning in Chicago public schools. And I have four kids and my nine-year-old was a hundred percent juggling my toddler while I was coaching all day, you know, so while she was in and out of her sessions, she would like go and responsibly like tell my second grader, can you watch this toddler for some chunk of time? Right. And so you have this kind of, um, you know, this, we, we were able to see those windows. And I hope that what everybody saw is like, wow, look at the way that kids navigate and are resilient and are. Yes. You know. Oh gosh, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So on Twitter recently, there was a recent post by Shanae. Yes. At Hey Mrs. Bond. If yes. you like to follow her. So um, she said uh, she had a response to a teacher and the post was, oh, I'm sorry. She responded to a teacher that asked about preparing for the upcoming school year. Mm-hmm. And the teacher didn't know where to start. And her response was, begin with a reflection of what worked for you this year that you'd like to keep. Then roadmap and prep that first unit. Mm-hmm. Then relax. Yes. Why do you believe that that is such an important approach to begin with. Yeah, I'm just, I was so glad to see that. And I like that initially came in my feed and it like (laughs) lit me up because this is what I've been talking about. I hope that everybody will, this is like prime time to in, in some regard, take a moment to pause and reflect, make some decisions about what you wanna start, what you wanna stop and what you wanna keep and then disconnect. And I think that like, if we don't allow ourselves that processing time right now, we're gonna kind of like blink and mm-hmm. be upon another year. Um, and so I have this kind of like really simple template that hopefully you can toss into the show notes um, that is just the start, stop and keep. And I, I was thinking through various lenses, like my teams and I came up with the buckets that they wanted to think about. Um, One of them being like relationships in the classroom. Like how are we centering relationships or building community at the start of the year and throughout the year and throughout all of our units? Kind of thinking about curriculum, like what units really like didn't work and we've just been doing them forever or what mentor texts in those units were like just not, you know, not maybe culturally relevant anymore. Maybe we've just been using them forever just because maybe we need, you know, like maybe they weren't correct. Um, they, maybe they weren't the right choice, like maybe a bucket of environment and how you may want to change your environment, which of course is constantly fluid given, given our current climate. And I think like lastly, technology. There are parts of technology that really worked that maybe would be great to keep in the classroom. For example, we you know, are keeping our, um, if we videoed a mini lesson, for example, for a unit, we're putting them in order on one kind of like choice board or one one bingo board, call it, so that kids who miss class or kids who need a repeat of the mini lesson or kids who like need a small group repeat can go onto the board and watch it, right? That's good. 
So that type of thing, I think like if we take a minute to just think through, start, stop and keep, just like Shanae said, and then really disconnect, I think we, we will be doing ourselves what we need. Like you can't pour from an empty cup. We cannot take care of anybody if we are a mess. Um, we do have to disconnect, I think, this summer. I'm like trying super hard to take, you know, some chunk of time if I can. Um, I want everybody to do that. But first, maybe do a do a little reflective dive. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, like I think about when you when you talked about technology, what pieces are good to keep? What pieces yeah. would be helpful to keep? Um, I know when I was in the classroom, this was years ago when I was a third grade teacher, I was, I, I feel horrible now of the way I use technology. It was pretty much to play online games. That was your treat. Or <laughs> if we used it for um, during writing, it was to type your published copy. Right, right. So I that, I could, that, oh, I'm so embarrassed. So then I would print it out and that was the pretty copy that went on my board. That right, was the right. of how technology was used. And right now, educators have opened up the floodgates of how many innovative ways we can use technology to connect our students to the world and to connect our students to the learning. Yeah, 100%. And we also know that like less is more, right? So yeah. maybe choose one or two two tech moves to tech, you know, apps, whether that's Jamboard, whether that's something that we're doing is like on Wednesdays, we read art. So we put a piece of art um, in, you know, in the center of a Jamboard and we have kids, what do I, what do I notice? What do I wonder? What do I see? And then use that as a springboard for discussion that they can record themselves on and then write longer pieces if they want. Like that's so Wednesday, we do that in a lot of our schools because uh, they have remote learning in the district. Um, and so maybe that's something we keep, you know, maybe that's something we want to keep because the Jamboard offered a really great opportunity for everybody to put their thinking on the board. Yes. And it was free, might I, might I add. Right, right. <laughs> if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What the litmus test would be to help us to identify awesome ideas that we love and want to include for the next year. I'm a teacher. I'm trying to figure out what do I keep? What do I not keep? What do you think a good litmus test would be for those decisions to be made? Hmm. So that's a hard question, depending on mandates, right, from the powers that be. But I do think that one litmus test is potentially, does this serve the child outside in real life in authentic situations and experiences? Yeah. So if I'm asking a kid to do something, or if I have an entire unit designed so that it feels kind of like assignments, or kind of like, you know, you need to fill in the blanks because this is how we've done it, or um, this is this is the activity that you must do, always through the lens of why. And if we can name for the kids really easily why, like this is really important because every time you pick up a fiction book, it's gonna help you to think about, you know, the conflicts that all the characters faced or something, right? Like whatever it might be, if you can easily name it, it's likely an okay, it's an okay and useful endeavor for the classroom. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, I, you started off by saying just centering our decisions in essence, but um, with the student in mind, our decisions yeah. are student driven or student centered. And I think oftentimes because of the 
um, the sense of urgency or I can't show my, my air quote, quote, I'm excuse me, my air quotes with my fingers, the learning loss syndrome <laughs> yes. that um, we seem to be talking about a lot now. We forget what it's like to make decisions with the students in mind sometimes because we're so busy trying to fill in the gaps that we believe are there but we don't quite know, but we say, oh, well, they must be there. They have to be there. Yeah. Students have been home for so long and they weren't in front of us. And I'm thinking, but they still learn. I learned a whole lot of science. Let me tell you. (laughs) I was reading every single article on how germs spread, how to uh, clean things. um, How do you kill bacteria? All of those things. We learned more science than we had ever learned um, as a as a world. So it happens, but the question is, you know, how do you balance it, right? You know, um, I, I hear you. How do you make sure that you are doing what your school building is requiring you to do, or what your administrator is requiring you to do? with still keeping the students at the center of your decision. And so you just think about the, your sphere of influence. Yeah, I think that if we, I think that when we ask, you know, what is empowering kids? What is empowering our kids, like with their choice making and with the way that they move in the world, then like we can never be wrong. And nobody can tell us that like, that's the incorrect thing in our classrooms, right? I agree. And, I don't know. I have been thinking a lot about these, like kind of, I've been building these multimodal kind of text, like, or resource kind of uh, templates that it just include uh, picture books and poetry and video and oh, yeah. lyrics and sound because I am like, you know, around kind of themes, thematic, because what I'm hoping, like, for example, the power of names um, and name stories, for example, uh, culturally nourishing, you know, foods and food stories, because I think there's like so much around food rituals um, mm-hmm. and, you know, cultural kind of like love. And I, because I'm hoping that that then centers the kid, the families, yeah. what they're bringing to the table, kind of these just empowerment of like real, I don't know, real learning, real authentic empowering learning that doesn't feel like it's created solely for solely for school spaces. Mm-hmm. Like in isolation that make, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we're just trying to get you to pass the test. Right. Done. We're like, no, 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 no. Right. Making inferences, it helps you in life. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. It helps you think critically, I promise you it does. Right, exactly. Okay, so now we're on to our rapid fire questions. Uh, we, I, I thank you so much for just the nuggets that you have left with our listeners um, to just think through what do we keep? I like that. What do we stop? What do we start? What do we keep? These are the things that we really need to think about and to do it now before we get into relaxation mode. Because mm-hmm. if we're not careful, we're going to go back to business as usual. As everything right. opens back up, we're going to forget what this feeling is right now. That's right. So are you ready for our rapid fire questions? I like to <laughs> ask some fun questions so that our listeners get to see another side of you. Are you You're ready? Yes. Yeah, so this, this is the best part. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. 
if you could have quiet or reflection time anywhere in the world, anywhere, we're not, not as a mom, not as a wife, anywhere, just anywhere you could go in the world, where would it be? Oh my goodness. Should I go somewhere I've not been before? <laughs> or that would be silly. I would like to go to Khuramshad, which is the southern part of Iran around the Iran-Iraq border where my father is from, because they apparently had the most amazing house that got destroyed in the 10-year war between Iran and Iraq in the 80s. And so I never got to see it. And apparently it's just on the water and it's gorgeous and I don't know. I dream of that place that I haven't been. Oh can I go there? Goodness. Yes, you can go there. I can. Yes, you can do that. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, so the next question. Do you prefer coffee or tea? If oh my. what do you prefer? Oh my goodness. I am a, like a four cup of coffee a day girl. <laughs> I'm guilty, guilty. 100%. I say if that's the worst thing that I'm doing, it's okay. <laughs> so we we are alike in that. Oh my gosh, I, I do have an addiction. I'm, I'm, yeah. My name is Tawanda and I'm addicted to coffee. <laughs> okay, so last question. What was your favorite childhood game that you would play? Oh my gosh, don't make me get my siblings to come and listen to this. We used to do some really dumb things. Like, <laughs> like we used to uh, close our eyes and like throw our bodies down the stairs and call it stare down. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. Done some things. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, we used to, I, oh my gosh, Tawanda, I, I threw my mattress out the window. I was like on a second floor of this little house, this little tiny house. And we jumped out the window onto wow. the mattress. Like, oh my goodness. And I would, I would turn back to my siblings and I said, don't jump, my legs hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and then they jumped. So you, were the, you were the daredevil. So you were the one that said, let me go ahead and do this first. Oh my I gosh. I would have been the one watching. <laughs> like, oh my God, is she okay? Okay. Uh, I, I swear to you, we like couldn't walk afterwards. We could have like seriously hurt ourselves. Can you imagine that as a mother now? I cannot believe the things. I know, I know. I, I I pray that my my children never know all of the silly things that I did growing up. hundred percent. Okay, so now as we close out, I want to know just what tips would you give to someone that says, "Okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to do this reflection." What do you think? Um, where should they start? or any tips on doing this? Okay, so I would just think to yourself, what are you really passionate about? What do you love in the world that you wanna make sure comes into the classroom? And I would jot that around your start, stop and keep template so that you make sure that you're weaving like parts of you into the fabric of your classroom so that it could really be a community that is like led by what you love because we can't go wrong if you like love the kids and love yourself and bring all of like what's great about you in the classroom too. I love that. I love that. Okay. So now where could folks find you on social media or a blog or your website? And I'll also put this in the show notes as well. 
Oh, thank you so much. I'm at, um, I'm at NQC Literacy on Twitter, and the website also is just nqcliteracy.com. And I, I do a fair amount of writing um, on, under NQC Reflections. That has been fun. I participated in that um, 31 Days of IBOC, and it was really, really yes, great. Yes, I'm going to put them in the show notes. This is something that is done every year, hosted by Dr. Kim Parker and Trisha Ibarria. It is amazing, amazing amazing. So make sure you check out the show notes. Yes. Thank you so much for just sitting down and having this conversation with me. Um, it has been just a joy to talk with you um, about just some things to think about as we end this school year. So for listeners out there, I hope that you heed to the advice of there are some things that you want to stop, some things that you want to start or some things that you're just going to keep. And just really just be forgiving of yourself this school year and really remember the students when you are making decisions. So until next time, happy teaching.